Are you a new or aspiring woman leader that wants to make a successful leap into leadership? Do you want to grow your confidence and your leadership abilities so that you can become the kind of leader other people want to follow? Welcome to The Leadership Leap, a show that is all about helping women to become more confident about making the leap into leadership. Now, here is your host, Leanne Pico. Hey there, welcome to The Leadership Leap. I'm Leanne Pico, your host. So glad you're listening today. We have a fantastic show for you today. Uh, but before I tell you about that, I want to thank our guests from last week. So thank you to Yvonne Ruke Akpoveta of The Change Leadership. Yvonne talked about the importance of having a leadership mindset and how to develop one. And thank you as well to Michelle Bevan, our EQ coach. Michelle helped us to better understand emotional intelligence and why it's especially crucial for today's leaders in her segment, What's Your EQ? If you did not get a chance to listen to the show last week, I highly recommend you check it out on the Leadership Leap show page. So I'm super excited about today's show. My personal and professional lives are about to collide, and I'm really happy about that. We have Tina De Los Santos, my communications queen, who will be here for a segment we will do every month called Who Thought It Best? It's the segment where we don't care what you wear, we care what you think. We'll be talking about some great thought leadership that Tina has found in doing the social media for the Leadership Leap this month. After that, I'll have the pleasure of talking to Christina Sakifio, our inclusion coach here at the Leadership Leap. In her segment, The Inclusion Zone, Christina will be helping us to better understand what diversity, equity, and inclusion really mean if we want to do them well. Really looking forward to that. But first, I want to introduce you to my niece and her schoolmate who are here to talk about a leadership development program at their school. Rosie and Mel are here from Beyond Borders in Guelph, Ontario. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having us. Huh? So, Rosie, tell me a bit about you. Uh, So, I just started doing this program this semester and my older sister was in it. Um, it's called Beyond Borders, and it's an experiential learning program for grade 12 students, which are 17 to 18-year-old students who really care about making a difference in their community, community and improving their leadership skills. So, yeah, nice. it's run by Centennial CBI, a local Guelph high school, and it's just centered around building future leaders. Very cool. And um, very importantly, you are my niece as well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm super proud to have Rosie on the show. Okay, and Mel, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so um, I'm also involved in this program, Beyond Borders, because I thought it would be a really great way to improve my leadership skills, just because that's a skill I can take to any aspect of my life, whether that be school or work or just everyday life. So I thought it'd be a great opportunity. Very cool. And absolutely, it travels. It's definitely one of those skills. So um, tell me about the program. What are the, what kinds of things do you, do you get up to? Right. So uh, Beyond Borders is a program designed to empower students to reach their uh, leadership potential by challenging the traditional model of education. So students are presented with numerous opportunities to uh, step out of their comfort zone, which builds their confidence and sense of pride towards all the work they've contributed to. And uh, we go on a number of trips to places like New York and Toronto, uh, as well as different local businesses. So it's it's great. Nice. And I think you went to Tesla, didn't you? Yes. I'm very jealous. What was that like? (laughs) 
It was amazing. We got to speak with the head uh, of Tesla there at that specific location and learned all about how they run their business and their their models and it was it was a it was a very great trip. Cool, cool. And Rosie, so tell us um, why do you think this kind of learning is important? Like why is it different from now and school is great. School is cool. Stay in school everybody. But why is it why is this kind of learning um, different and why is it attractive to you? I really like it because it's learning by doing, which is something I feel like I've learned better that way um, with like real life situations and real criticism in school. I feel that they don't normally give you sometimes useful criticism from right. real world experience, like interviews and presentations in front of important people and just stuff like that. So it was really good for that. And also just um, the fact that you're in a room with a bunch of other people that applied to be there and really want to be there and are willing to put their all into everything you do. So it's really cool how much people care about it, which is, I'd say, a bit different from traditional school. Nice, nice. And Mel, what do you think in terms of for girls? Because you recently did a Women in Leadership event. And, um, you know, why do you think this kind of program is so important for girls? Well, I'm really proud to say that we have a majority of girls here. It's really empowering to have all these great female leaders working alongside one another and really uplifting each other because we, at the end of the day, we really have to work together on every single project we have. And so having that support, you know, you can talk to anyone here. I'm uh, great friends with everybody. It just feels like we have a really close connection. So it's, it's a really amazing program in that sense as well. Nice. And how about you, Rosie? Why is it um, important for girls in particular for you? I like that it um, makes leadership, especially as a girl, like a good thing. Because I feel like in regular school, um, the only things you're really allowed to take leadership over as a group would be like projects or student council. And a lot of the time, um, if you take charge, people can resent that or um, say you're being bossy or whatever. But especially as a girl... (laughs) <laughs> being called mm-hmm. boss is just really um, annoying in a like business setting. So uh, in this program, you get to be in charge in a positive way, I feel, and leadership's like a really good thing here. It's not something that is seen as like, oh, you're just bossy, oh, you're just micromanaging, or um, like, why do you even care? Everybody cares about it, and you really get to, especially as a woman, like be in charge of a group of people in like a really positive way. Nice, nice. It is really a try it out. And like you say, I think that's a really important point, especially for girls and women, that you can be a leader and, uh, and you know, get rid of that title, uh, a bossy, etc. So that's awesome. Okay, so now you guys, you, sorry, you guys, I keep doing that. I, that's my 1980s lingo. Uh, I'm trying very hard to get rid of it. So in, t- <laughs> um, in terms of you have an event, don't you, coming up that you'd like to tell us about? When is it and what's happening? So yeah, it's on so January we have an event 18th called Illuminate. And it's, and it's a... Oh, hang on. Who wants to go first? <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> go on, Mel. Okay, <laughs> so our event is called Illuminate, and it's a fundraising event for four different charities we want to support as a class here. They are um, Doctors Without Borders, Mount Sinai Hospital in Toronto, the Nature Conservancy of Canada, and Guelph General Hospital, which is a local hospital here in Guelph. And it's happening on January 18th 
at the River and Center in Guelph beginning at 5.45 p.m. So the, the concept behind this event is that our energy and uh, our passion are like light and it can ignite a spark in the community to make a change. Beautiful. How beautiful. So that's, that's wonderful. So Rosie, tell us, how can people support your event or your program? Uh, well, first off, they can come to our events. It's $70 for a ticket, and awesome. you get to experience a night of uh, awesome performances, singing, a raffle, and a bunch of fun stuff at the River Run. Or they can donate uh, to Beyond Borders event, as we have donation forums uh, that you can reach on our social media at illuminate.bb for Facebook or illuminate underscore bb for Twitter or um, Instagram. They both work. And then watch out for the online tickets over our social media and our website, which is illuminate.bb.com. And just check our social media for more info. Awesome. And the main website for Beyond Borders is, I think it's beyondborders1.ca. Is that right? Yes, correct. Yeah. That's so the, if people um, want to find out. If you look at the program. Awesome. And so that, because it's a very cool program and it's not all over our country. And so for anyone listening, um, particularly maybe, and, and we would have, they would have to talk to your teacher about this, but about corporate sponsorship or, you know, if they, people want to get involved in the program, that's the place to go to catch up with what you're all doing. It's an, it's an amazing program. So thank you both for being here and sharing the program with us. Do you have any final words for, say, for next year? Um, you know, if there were girls kind of saying, mm, I'm not sure, maybe I should do Beyond Borders. What would you tell them? Mel, you first. Yeah, so I would tell them that it's an amazing opportunity. It provides so much valuable real-life experience as well it really prepares you for anything that you want to do outside of school. So um, I would really recommend it for anyone thinking to try it out, especially girls. Okay, good stuff. How about you, Rosie? I think it's been really great as an alternative to regular school because we've really gotten to do things in real life. And we've gotten to do things that you would never get to do in real school, like go to Tesla and meet with, like, an executive or go to Sun Life Financial and meet with executives there. So it's just really great to actually do real things in school. Nice. Okay. Well, thank you so much to both of you for coming on the show. And thank you to your teacher and um, the program for, you know, providing such a wonderful opportunity for girls to learn about leadership. And it's not just a girls program for all young people, uh, but particularly as we're focused on girls here um, and think it's really important that girls and young women know they can step into leadership at any stage of their life. So thank you both for being here. Great. Thank you so much. Okay, so it's so great to hear about programs like this, as I said, helping young people and particularly young women um, to hone their leadership skills and get started. On their website, beyondborders1.ca, one of the things that I particularly liked was they say, we are confident that students will become character-driven leaders by the end of the semester. And so, you know, that's huge, right? It's character-driven leaders, If we could have more of that, we would have better schools, better world, and better workplaces. 
Okay, so now for our Who Thought It Best segment. It's not really a competition as we're more collaborative types around here, but we thought it would be fun to play on the Who Wore It Best trend um, and that constant focus on what women are wearing, particularly women leaders. I mean, you know, look at any media of any kind and generally it's commenting on an outfit so we decided we'd focus more on what people are thinking about leadership rather than what the women are wearing but hey if you have a nice pair of jimmy choos we also don't judge you for that so i'm now going to welcome tina de los santos to the show tina welcome hi leanne thank you hi so um i just want to clarify something though shoes are still important right of course they are Yes, very important. So Tina is a communication and engagement strategist, and she has her own business called Lure Communications. Uh, Tina does the social media for the Leadership Leap, and we've worked together for many years. Um, Actually, I'll tell you, wherever I go, I hire Tina, and um, I'll tell you, everybody needs a Tina. So somebody you can trust with whatever work you're doing and who helps to build your business. Um, she's, She's extremely good at engagement. So this week, we are talking about an article that I found. It's from Forbes, actually. It was published back in April 2019, but um, I loved it and thought that it would be something that we could talk about. It's called 10 Surprising Things Successful Leaders Do Differently. Okay. All right. So um, we probably don't have time for 10 things, but tell us five, maybe give us your five top five favorites. Sure. Let's go through them. Of course. The first one that it opens with, which I think is really interesting because it kind of um, attacks a trope that we probably all know too well, which is great leaders close their open door policy. Mm, love it. Yes. yes. That's a big one, hey? Why, why, yeah, do you, why is. is this one of your favorites, though? Well, it's, it's because the, the open door policy is a trope. And, you know, when leaders say that, we often just kind of look at it as a symbol, uh, a, a good gesture, something that's kind of common that leaders do. It doesn't really, it isn't, um, it's passive uh, communications. It's rather than proactive communications. Right, right. And, it's you not know, really it's intentional enough to have value for your team. Right. And, you know, it, it's interesting you say that because I was once coaching someone, um, a young woman who just moved into leadership, and we spent quite a bit of time on this open door policy thing because we actually, um, her view was that an open door policy was uh, a kind of equated, it was equitable to accessibility. And so she felt like right. if she closed her door, she wasn't going to be accessible. But we yeah, had to work through and say that that's not the case. Right. It doesn't, um, I mean, it also interrupts, you know, the, the important work that people are doing. If, you know, at any time people can come in and interrupt you. The, the idea is that rather than having an open-door policy is that you, you know, spend really good time scheduling one-on-ones and checking in with your staff and being more proactive about um, encouraging communication. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. And, you know, and I always talk to leaders about, um, we talk about the fact that you need time for your deeper thinking. You need to be able to focus on bigger picture stuff. And when we have people running in and out of our office all the time, that doesn't give us that, that time. Exactly. There's a movie that I love, actually. It's called Friends with Benefits. Uh, has nothing yep. to do with leadership, really. Um, it's a Justin Timberlake movie, and there is a scene. 
he is newly hired as like the art director for GQ, I think, and he has this big symbolic gesture on his first day of work where he physically removes the door from his office. <laughs> um, but later in the movie, he's like, uh, big regrets, I should not have done that. <laughs> <laughs> It's so true. It's so true. We start the open door policy and it's like, oh, now I need to, we wait for people to leave so we can close it for a few minutes. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Okay, so Nick say the open door policy. What's number two? That's right. Number two, great leaders are likable, not liked. Oh. Very different. Yikes. Okay, this is a tough one. Go ahead. It is. I think this one um, is really uh, talking specifically to focusing on leading and not necessarily being a friend to your staff. It doesn't mean that you're unkind or a jerk at work. It's nothing like that. But rather switching that focus to getting your team to like you so that they follow you, it's being a strong leader and um, ensuring that your team understands that you have their best interest and the team's best interest and the company's best interest at heart rather than making friends. Yeah, and this one's a tough one, particularly for women, I'm going to say. You know, we try and be careful about generalizing, but there is something we are socialized as women to want to to have approval, right? (laughs) Pardon? Yes, not to be likable, but to be liked. Yes, we are very socialized that way. Absolutely, absolutely. But sometimes, you know, what we think, and I I often talk about, it's not about being liked, it is about being likable, but it's also about being kind. And sometimes being kind is helping people understand that the hard stuff, uh, you know, you have to do the hard stuff sometimes, right? Right. And if you... um you know, if there are those close relationships with staff, it can be, A, difficult on the leader to provide constructive feedback, um, and, and more importantly, difficult for the staff to hear it if they feel that their leader is their friend more than anything yeah. else. For sure, for sure. Okay, what's number three? Number three is great leaders reveal everything. Oh, yes. Okay, go on. Why do you think that was interesting? Well, because I think that, um, you know, the sort of old school style of leadership is that all of the knowledge is kept close to the chest at the top of the organization and only the bare minimum, what is absolutely necessary, trickles down. But the new way of looking at leadership is that rather than knowledge is power, sharing is power. So, um, you know, in this article, they talk about radical transparency and how teams need to be able to understand the full workings of the organization and need to have all of the information in order for them to be able to make the best decisions possible and do the best work possible for the organization. Nice, nice. And it builds trust because people feel like they're in the loop. Absolutely. And sometimes I think that you can tell when information is being withheld. Um, And I think that that does the opposite. I think it breaks trust. Yes, for sure. Now, I would say, having been a leader for a long time, that um, we need to be careful with this one, though, because sometimes uh, I like the idea of radical transparency, but I think any information shared should have a purpose. And that sometimes when we share things that um, if it's a decision is being made elsewhere, people can't have a say on it um, or that it is, um, you know, if it's unclear, sometimes you can create fear. So when we're sharing information, a good rule of thumb for me is you're sharing for the purpose of the other person, not to make you feel better. Right, exactly. And of course, you have to be judicious with the information that's shared. But I think, you know, traditionally, some folks, not all leaders, but some folks uh, retain information to feel more powerful. 
Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. The more you have in your head, you know, but I always operate under the, you know, if I get run over by a bus, what will happen principle? Um, So the more you share, the more sustainable your organization is as well, because people are able to take decisions and move without you. Absolutely. Okay. What's number four? Number four is great leaders show weakness. Ooh, controversial. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Why is this important? Well, it's rather than just showing uh, weakness, I think it's about um, discussing um, their personal failures. Uh, Not personal, but their their professional failures um, to humanize themselves and to also frame it as, um, you know, what they learned from it, how they grew from it, uh, sort of modeling that for their staff so that when staff, um, you know, face inevitable setbacks, uh, they can learn how to frame that as, you know, an opportunity for learning. Yeah, It also humanizes leaders, I think. Very much so. Again, not to the point where your people are having to look after you because you're crying in their their (laughs) coffee, but... (laughs) Okay, what's number five? And number five is great leaders play favorites. Oh, yeah, good one. Why is that important? Well, I think their top point says it all. The fastest way to lose top talent is to treat your best employees the same as your lowest performers. Right, right. So it's okay to play favorites. So they're saying it's okay. Yes, they're saying it's okay. Because we're not all the same and we shouldn't be treated as such. And not only that, uh, it only works, though, if you've done the work to understand the individuals in our teams. Yes. Because everybody responds differently to different motivations. Yeah. Into different okay. interactions and communications. And really, we have to do the work to make sure that all of our team members feel inclusive for this to work, feel included. So we've done the inclusive inclusion work. Right. And uh, handily, we will be talking about that in just a couple of minutes with our next guest. Um, again, one of the things around this. So again, I get that they're kind of using titles around, uh, you know, to catch our attention around the playing favorites. I would be careful with the language for sure in terms of um, sometimes it can, it, it, when we have kind of people that that um, are performing and we're rewarding that, that's one thing. But if we are um, responding to people who kind of are behaving themselves in our minds or who kind of just do what we tell them and are not challenging us, um, because I've seen that leadership behavior as well, where people kind of favor the people that are kind of yes people. Um, We have to be careful of that too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a big one. Yeah. Great article. Yeah. That's a yeah, really good a article. Yeah, a lot more. It's, it's posted on both our uh, the Leadership Leaps Facebook page and LinkedIn page. Um, okay. It was just posted a few minutes ago. So if folks want to have a look at uh, the rest of the top 10 list, you can find it there. Okay, and tell us where, where is it? Tell us our handles. Sure. Um, the Facebook handle is facebook.com forward slash the Leadership Leap. And you can also find us on LinkedIn, which is linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash the dash leadership dash leap. 
Perfect. If you just and the leadership leap, you'll find us. You'll find us. We're there. Yeah. And also, there. just to like, <laughs> we're there. So just to let you know as well, I mean, Tina has posted, a, she does a beautiful job with some lovely memes if you need some great inspiration for your day, and then also other articles. So check out this article and the great stuff that Tina's been sharing. So we're going to take a break right now, but we'll be back in just a, a minute with our next guest. And uh, we'll be talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion And what does it really mean? See you soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hi there, this is Liam Picot, the host of The Leadership Leap. Thank you for listening to the show. Before I stepped into my first leadership role, I wasn't sure about becoming a leader. I was worried I didn't have the skills or confidence to do it well. When I did move up, I always say that I attended the What Not To Do School of Leadership as I knew all the things I didn't want to do, but I was less clear about the kind of leader I wanted to be. So I had to learn that the hard way. That's why I created my online leadership program, also called The Leadership Leap. I help new and aspiring women leaders to grow your confidence and your leadership abilities so you can avoid some of the mistakes I made and make a more successful leap into leadership. Through over 20 video lessons, monthly group coaching, and homework exercises that help you put the learning into action right away, you will discover who you are as a leader and learn how to inspire others. You will also be part of a growing community of other fabulous new and aspiring leaders just like you. Find out more and sign up to learn with me at theleadershipleap.net and use coupon code radio for an extra $100 off just for listening. Make the leap into becoming the kind of leader you most want to be. Hi there, this is Liam Picot, the host of The Leadership Leap. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Before I stepped into my first leadership role, I wasn't sure about becoming a leader. I was worried I didn't have the skills or confidence to do it well. When I did move up, I always say that I attended the what not to do school of leadership as I knew all the things I didn't want to do, but I was less clear about the kind of leader I wanted to be. So I had to learn the hard way. That's why I created my online leadership program, also called The Leadership Leap. I help new and aspiring women leaders to grow your confidence and your leadership abilities so you can avoid some of the mistakes I made and make a more successful leap into leadership. Through over 20 video lessons, monthly group coaching, and homework exercises that help you put the learning into action right away, you'll discover who you are as a leader and learn how to inspire others. You will also be part of a growing community of other fabulous new and aspiring leaders just like you. Find out more and sign up to learn with me at theleadershipleap.net and use coupon code radio for an extra $100 off just for listening. Make the leap into becoming the kind of leader you most want to be. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to The Leadership Leap with Leanne Pico. You can find out more about Leanne and the program at theleadershipleap.net. 
Don't forget that you can also send in your questions about all things leadership to Leanne at her email address, info at theleadershipleap.net, and we'll try to answer them on the show. Now, back to The Leadership Leap. Hey, welcome back. It's Leanne Picot, your host, and I still have Tina here, who is our communications um, person from our, who does all the Leadership Leap stuff. And I'm also going to welcome Christina Sacchifio to the show. Um, And I'm going to tell you uh, a little bit more about Christina in a second, but I just want to say welcome, Christina. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Okay, so while I have you both here, I wanted to tell everyone, so the three of us have worked together previously. Um, I think it's always really important, you know, to share those kinds of relationships. Um, And I wanted to tell you that the three of us were working for an organization and kind of starting it up, getting it kind of moving and and growing, and that we had a key team building technique that isn't often talked about, um, but that was um, quite important. It's called the shopping at Ikea team building (laughs) exercise. Um, and so, you know, often Ikea has a, has a kind of a bad reputation as the place where relationships go to die. Um, but for your team, it can be really useful. It was fun. Hey, it was so much fun. Yeah. We spent hours. Go ahead, Christina. I think we strengthened our bond that day. We did. We did hours (laughs) choosing stuff for our new office. And, and we were still talking to each other. around in some chairs for a while. <laughs> yes, we tried out chairs. I think we had meatballs. It was very good. Yes. <laughs> so, and we did, um, and we did yes. some art too as well, if I remember correctly. That's right. We made some art. We made some art. That's right. So it's just really nice to have you both here again and and kind of be working together. So I just wanted to talk about that because it's really important, you know, um, Often we talk about toxic teams, but this was one of the best teams I've ever had. So it's a real pleasure to have you both here. Well, thanks for having us. I agree. Absolutely. Tina, thanks so much. We'll see you next month. Okay, thanks. Take care. Okay, so I'm going to tell you about Christina. So Christina is the principal consultant and owner of Boldly Inclusive, a consultant, a consulting and training firm that specializes in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, Christina is a professional educator, strategist, and community education specialist, and she's developed a very unique skill set around designing, implementing, and evaluating complex inclusion initiatives. And she is also a coach. She provides coaching for leaders who are trying to deal with these issues. Uh, Christina has her MBA from the Schulich School of Business at York University, and she also has a Master's of Arts in Education from the Ontario Institute for Studies in Education at the University of Toronto, with a focus on critical integrated anti-racism education. Christina is a 2019 Certified Canadian Inclusion Professional. So those were a lot of big words, super impressive, super impressive. And I can tell you that Christina is as impressive in person as she is in writing. So um, Christina, welcome again. Oh, thank you so much. Very kind of you. Very kind. (laughs) So we're here. This is your, like, we're going to, this is called the inclusion zone. We're going to do this every month. And we're Mm -hmm. talking about um, DEI as the short form goes. But tell us about um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Tell us, you know, why is it important and what is it, what does it actually mean? Yeah. So um, that's a great starting point. Um, And I think that's one of the pieces that is actually, it's, I think that lots of people think that they have a good grasp of it, but it's actually a little bit more um, 
complicated and a little bit more connected than many people first realize. So when we're talking about diversity, DEI, we're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, And when we're thinking about diversity, um, often we think about it in the ways in which we differentiate between groups and between individuals, right? So we think about this, I think, in the Canadian context in terms of human rights. So we'll think about it in terms of um, characteristics such as age, race, ethnicity, color, other things that are considered protected ground under um, the Canadian Human Rights Code. Right. It tends to vary from one place to the next. So so if you're looking at the States, it might look a little bit different from the UK, for example, right? Emphasis is different from one place to the next, and it can also be um, different from one region to the next as well. So we see the differences between states and provinces and the like. Now, what we think about um, diversity when we think about it first um, is actually very much focused on uh, the demographic definition of diversity. When we take a step back, though, we know that, you know, just being in our communities, being in society, that diversity is actually much more rich than that, right? It goes into education, for example. It goes into our careers, our personalities, whether we're logical people, whether we're creative people, for example, right? So what we want to do is take a step back. Okay. And when we do so, we can actually break it down into three different definitions of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So the first is that demographic um, orientation around diversity, but then we can also start thinking about our experiential diversity, right? So that's what we're thinking about, our education, interests, experiences, and the like. And we can also think about it in terms of cognitive diversity, which is what we generally tend to think of as diversity of thought. Okay, so, so that's really important. Can I just highlight really that? interesting, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I just wanted to highlight that because often, like traditionally, and I remember, you know, and again, aging myself, I've already made an 80s reference, so I might as well make a 90s reference. In the <laughs> 90s, it was all about equal opportunity. And we thought, you know, we thought diversity was about, and, you know, I always use this and people use it, just just get people sitting at the table, right? But it's actually broader than just, like you said, it's not just about demographics um, because that's a very limited piece um, it's in a crucial piece, but with I'm 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 thinking that without the the other pieces around you know diversity of experience and diversity and cognitive diversity, we're not listening to people based on their demographics. We're just we think it's good enough for them to just sit at the table. Right, and I think right there you've hit the nail on the head in terms of one of the really complex pieces. So as I was saying, it's it's a little bit. I think that we tend to sort of dive into this topic. But it's a lot more nuanced and a lot more um, complex. Maybe complicated right. wasn't the right word, but complex um, in terms of what it actually looks like to implement it. So one yes. of the key challenges is that we're having a lot of conversations right now about diversity and becoming more diverse and having more representation. But if we don't have, if we don't set the groundwork in a way that is meaningful, in a way, in a way in which people feel that they truly belong and are valued within certain spaces, then ultimately what ends up happening is that we end up with tokenism. We end up right. with folks who feel that they are, you know, required to represent the whole. Um, we feel that we end up in situations where um, folks feel that uh, they're the only ones in the organizations as well. So it doesn't really lend itself to sustainable. Diversity, when we think about diversity for diversity's sake in that sense, we really need those other pieces of equity and inclusion in order to form kind of the bedrock for doing really good DEI work. Nice. Okay, so tell us about Mm -hmm. equity then. What do we mean by that? So so equity is where we're thinking about um, how 
if we look at our diversity, we recognize that we're all coming with different needs, with different contexts, with different expectations. So the equity actually recognizes that and says, you know what, sometimes it's important that we have accommodations in order to be able to create level playing fields for different folks. Right. Right. So a common example of this when we're looking at workplaces today is um, an accessibility ramp. Those tend to be um, they tend to be legally mandated in most places. Uh, however, if we look at that as an example, what we're doing is we're actually breaking barriers to access. So for people who have mobility issues, um, you know, maybe perhaps pain um, challenges, an accessibility ramp can actually provide access where otherwise there might be barriers in in barriers to being able to access certain spaces, to being able to even access certain opportunities as a result of that. So when we think about equity, we want to think about not only playing, uh, you know, lay, leveling the playing field, but we also want to think about what this looks like and for all of our different stakeholders, whether that's our staff members, whether that's our clients, whether those are external partners or other stakeholders as well. We want to make sure that we're thinking broadly about that, that piece around equity. Okay, and this is where mm-hmm. the term, like this is where privilege comes in, right? And so mm-hmm. when we uh, we hear a lot about, and we hear a lot of disdain about privilege in, in the current climate, it's, it's, um, it, it's I mean, it's interesting because, you know, all around us, we're having these conversations uh, on social media, in workplaces, etc. But sometimes we're not really digging into it. And so when I hear about privilege, and I, I, I have to say, I um the best definition of privilege I heard was was a, a black man who was quite wealthy. It was explaining um, privilege to his son, and he was talking about financial privilege and said, privilege means I get to start on third base and everybody else has to make a hit to in order to get on base at all. Yeah. Is that, That's a is that a good analogy? Yeah, that's a that's a beautiful analogy, um, and I think that it really lends itself very well to the conversation around equity as well. Um, you know, when thinking about those needs for different accommodations, I know that there's a famous uh, image that that's very often used in this work around um, being able to reach an apple in an apple tree, right? right? Recognizing that for some, they have the ability to just reach for that apple. Um, and, and be able to grab it and access it. Whereas for some people, so this might be where I come in, I'm a little bit shorter. I might have to, you know, step on uh, a stool, for example, in order to be able to access that apple, right? So it's a very strong intersection between um, recognizing that privilege allows us to be able to access certain privileged spaces, um, but equity allows us to recognize that that privilege exists and allows us to start thinking through what are some of those accommodations, what are the needs that, what are some of the ways in which we can take active steps to, um, you know, help give people a leg up where it's required in order to be able to think through, um, kind of going back to that piece around, um, you know, equity versus equality, um, in order to be able to, um, you know, yield more equitable outcomes at the end of the day. So it's an equitable approach to yield more equal outcomes. Nice, nice. And so mm-hmm. let's think about it from let's stay with the apple analogy. That's that's a great visual. And I'm thinking about the person who can just reach up and grab an apple. And mm-hmm. it can be challenging for that person to understand that other people can't just do that, that there are things in their way from getting that apple. And so um, that's where things like um, we talk about unconscious bias and we talk about, 
you know, that self-awareness piece, those are really important in, in when we talk about equity, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, the unconscious bias piece, this is where that actually fits in quite nicely, um, simply because at the end of the day, we recognize that, uh, you know, we are in societies, right? Um, they tend to be diverse societies. Um, but at the end of the day, what ends up happening is that because of our unconscious biases, we tend to look through a frame of reference that is very centered on our own experiences, Right. Right. And as a result of that, it makes it harder for us to see where gaps might exist, where a leg up might be helpful, to see where our privilege, uh, you know, we might in, in certain situations be um, unable to see our own privilege um, relative to our privilege of others uh, or the other privilege that others have. And as a result, uh, you know, it's very, inco- it's very important for us to start thinking through some of those pieces and where possible um, and where required um, access uh, good capacity building in order to support that, uh, that skill set. Yeah. And I, I'm going to just call it out right here and just mm-hmm. say that, you know, sometimes for us and I'm, I'm a white woman and I'm going to say, talk and again, generalizing apologies, just we want to pull out the trends though. It can be uh, the case, for example, for white women to not be able to see the privilege that, that we have sometimes because we don't feel very privileged based on our experience in the world or in workplaces. And so um, there's also this kind of um, and so what you said there is super important that that sometimes we just can't see it. Um, and I'm going to say sometimes we don't feel it. We don't feel so privileged when, you know, we're being bypassed by men making their way up the leadership ladder, for example. Um, so I, I think it's important for us to acknowledge that um, that even though we might not feel it sometimes, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist, right? It doesn't mean we're not privileged, Mm-hmm, yeah, um, and that's a great point um, because at the end of the day, privilege is relative as well, too, and I think mm-hmm. that's one piece. We always think about it in terms of the absolute, but there's so much relativity with respect to our privilege. So when we think about it in terms of women, and I'm thinking about uh, pay equity, for example, uh, we we do know that within the Canadian context, um, it, women are paid 87 cents for every dollar that men are paid. Right, so we know that that's uh, that that is what um, is is occurring right now in terms of pay equity. Now, when in Canada, Christina, further, just in just Canada, to interrupt yep. you, hang on for a second, mm-hmm. because actually that's lower in other countries. So in the states, I think it's something like seventy six cents, and yeah. in other countries. So in a way, we have to be careful even about talking about it, because because that that. I, I had this funny reaction. I was like, oh, that's not too bad. We're, we're kind of ahead of other people. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I'm accepting 87 cents on the dollar because right? I'm thinking it's, yeah. it's better than others. And what makes it fascinating is even just the way that the media has covered it. So a lot of, uh, you know, the information around this is, you know what? Great news. Our gap is closing. At the end mm. of the day, however, yes. it still exists. <laughs> and that's a problem that needs to be solved. Um, And then when we think about this even further, when we dig even deeper, we know that people of color, so women of color in in particular, are facing, um, you know, an even larger pay gap. Um, Women who are, uh, you know, persons of disability also face an even greater, um, an even greater gap. I think it's close to about 50 cents, if I recall correctly, on the dollar. Yeah, um, Indigenous women. So when we dig even deeper, we recognize that although as women, as a 
monolithic group. Yes, we do. Um, you know, experience that uh, that difference in terms of our privilege, and it's exercised um, in this way, and that's how we see it manifested. But at the end of the day, even among women, we all have different levels of privilege. Our yes. di- we are all very diverse from one to the next. We all have different struggles, different challenges, different needs. Um, and this also shows up in terms of the ways in which we are compensated, the types of jobs that we're able to access as well, um, you know, the stability of those um, opportunities. And that all goes into the way in which we calculate pay equity. So ultimately, what ends up happening is that we might see ourselves as not being privileged in some cases, but even among our group, our larger, um, you know, demographic group, sometimes there are differences that allow us to say, how can I use the privilege that I do have? And particularly for women leaders, how can I use my privilege in order to support the larger whole? Nice. Nice. How can I help yeah. other women get that leg up and have that that mm-hmm. that step stool to get the apple too? Uh, and that's my thing, you know, it's that that piece around equity is that everybody gets to move up, but they just move up and I and and I'm I should stop talking about up even. It's not always up, right? It's about um living a life, the life that they would like and yes. that provides them with the same satisfaction that other people are able to have too. And that includes a professional life. It's like you say, a lot of women of color, it's, there's, there's more bear. It's not just, I mean, you know, pay equity seems like a, a, a far off distance piece when, you know, you're having trouble accessing further education and things like that. Right. So the barrier starts early. The barriers start early and they're systemic. Right. And I think yes. that's the piece of the puzzle that we don't often Huge. talk about um, when we when we talk about DEI. A lot of it comes down to how our how our systems um, how our systems shape in such a way that these uh, that these inequities continue to exist. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's mm-hmm. talk about inclusion because I think yeah. inclusion is the piece. It helps us better understand a system and the responsibility of the system. So tell us what inclusion means to you. Mm-hmm. So when we're thinking about inclusion, um, that's when we start to think about uh, you know whether people feel that they're being fairly equally treated um, and fairly treated. Sorry. Um, whether their contributions are valued and whether they actually feel at the end of the day that they belong within these spaces. Um, so if we want to go back to, say, for example, our, our previous instance of, you know, accessibility ramps, and, and I use that example because that's actually something that's come up uh, in a session that, that I delivered not too long ago. We have accessibility ramps. That's a really great start in terms of thinking equitably for organizations. But in this instance, what we saw was that all of the staff members would come to the front door of the organization. The accessibility ramp was located at the back of the, of the, of the building, you know, right beside the loading docks. They'd have to come oh. and navigate through the truck. Yes. So ultimately, what ends up happening is you have this equity policy that's being set, but the way that it's being enacted is not being enacted in a way that is inclusive. Because obviously, right. in a situation like that, Somebody comes to work and they don't feel that they belong when they have to go through the back door every day to get to get into the office. No, or when that's they're, right. You know, on their way to coffee with their with their um, colleagues and they have to split up in order to be able to exit. It's absolutely, you know, unfair and and it's you know it really lends itself to that sense of being excluded and not feeling totally welcomed by the organization. So right. when we think about inclusion, then we have to kind of look at it very different from equity. Equity is what removes barriers. 
but inclusion is what creates that environment in which everyone feels safe and which everyone feels welcome at the end of the day. So both of them are needed, right? And that in order to be able to kind of see the full range of somebody's, um, you know, of, of people's offerings, of their diversity, of their gifts, we need to be able to, you know, both, you know, open the door, but allow people in, in a way that makes them feel that they truly belong. So yes. Yeah, so that I think about inclusion. And I think you, you turn the, we talk about DEI, but you turn it on it on its head. What's your, Absolutely. what's your, how do you put it? Mm-hmm. So um, I always think about it in terms of this formula that equity plus inclusion is leads to diversity. So E plus I equals D. Um, so the way that I think about this is that you need to be able to remove barriers. You need to be able to create safe and welcoming spaces where people feel belong and where they feel valued in order to be able to have a diversity that is both sustainable and that is also meaningful at the end of the day. That's awesome. And I, and mm-hmm. I think that's the piece that it's important to dig into because it's um, a lot of people start with diversity. They think that recruiting a bunch of people from different backgrounds is the starting place when in fact, mm-hmm. uh, when they get there, uh, they, they have poor treatment or they have bad experiences because the actual proper work has not been done to make sure they feel included. Yes, bang on. Um, I think that what ends up happening, and, you know, I think it's natural, too, just in terms of the ways in which organizations uh, define success, is that we end up looking at diversity first, because diversity is what you can see often, right? Um, And especially if we're thinking about it in terms of our demographics, it's very easy to be able to pick out and say, hey, we've been able to expand our diversity. We're becoming a more diverse organization. But ultimately, what ends up happening is that it's kind of like building your DEI on a house of of hay, right? Um, There's no structure. There's no real foundation at the end of the day. Equity and especially inclusion are what allows you to be able to have that strong foundation on which, uh, you know, when people join your organization, they can see, actually, you know what? There, this space is a space in which I can thrive, in which I can advance my career, in which I can feel at home. Um, and recognizing that many of us are spending many hours in the office more so than yes. even being at home. Um, Absolutely. You know, we want to be able to have that good feeling of being in the workplace, right? For so, sure, for sure. Know, we want to make sure that we're thinking about that. Absolutely. And so next month, we're going to talk about your kind of pioneering way of talking about inclusion first. So we're about mm-hmm. to finish the show. So tell us, um, Christina, if people want to get in touch with you about your services, where, they, where can they connect with you? Yep. So they can connect with me on my website, uh, easiest way, uh, boldlyinclusive.co, so .co. Okay. Um, you can also connect with me um, via LinkedIn as well. Um, so it's just LinkedIn, search my name, Christina Secchifio, long name to spell, but we can always connect back to It's on the show page. Um, you know, it's the okay. They can find you. Exactly. Yeah. And um, okay. Twitter, be even bolder. Okay, good stuff. Thanks so much, Christina. And if you have any questions about inclusion, email us at the show at info at theleadershipleap.net. We'll see you next month, Christina. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us this week for The Leadership Leap. Liam Pico invites you to tune in for another engaging program next Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll help you make a successful leap into leadership. 